Welcome to the Happy Menopause Podcast with me, Jackie Lynch, nutritionist and founder of the Well, Well, Well Nutrition Clinic, where I specialise in women's health and the menopause. There are multiple ways that diet and lifestyle can support you through the challenges of midlife. And my latest book, The Happy Menopause, Smart Nutrition to Help You Flourish, is packed with all my best nutritional advice to help you tailor your diet to your menopause symptoms. Join me and my expert guests on a journey through midlife in this podcast and find out how you can have a healthy and happy menopause. Welcome to the final episode of this season. When I started the Happy Menopause back in 2019, I couldn't possibly have foreseen that when I finished season four, I'd just be celebrating breaking 400,000 downloads. And that's down to you. I owe you a huge thank you for listening, for coming back and listening again, and for spreading the word to your friends and family. I can't tell you how grateful I am. If you're new to the podcast, and this is the first time you've listened, you're in for a treat, because there are 65 more episodes you can listen to, where I chat to some fantastic experts covering all manner of menopause themes, from anxiety and hot flushes to headaches and bloating. There really is something for everyone. So tune in and enjoy. Today we're looking at that crucial decade after menopause, when a proactive approach to your health and well-being is more important than ever to define the way that we age. I'm chatting to the brilliant health coach and author, Susan Saunders, about her latest book, The Power Decade, How to Thrive After Menopause. But first I'd like to give a quick shout out to my sponsor, Better You who make it possible for me to produce this podcast. We need optimum levels of vitamin D to absorb the calcium which keeps our bones strong and healthy. And that's why a supplement really is a non-negotiable for women in midlife. Vitamin D also plays a key role in supporting immune function, protecting against infection, and it can influence our mood and mental health too. I'm a big fan of the Better You Vitamin D Oral Sprays, which include products suitable for all the family, that are very simple to use and with a delicious peppermint flavour. Discover their full range of vitamin and mineral sprays and their wonderfully calming magnesium products, which come as lotions, bath salts and skin sprays, by visiting betteryou.com forward slash THM, where listeners can get 20% off at checkout using the code THM, subject to terms and conditions. So that's betteryou.com forward slash THM plus the discount code THM, which stands for The Happy Menopause. Nice and easy to remember. And so on to today's episode. Let's find out what Susan has to say. Welcome back to The Happy Menopause, Susan. Thank you so much for having me again. I'm very, very happy to be here. Thank you, Jackie. Well, it's great to see you. And I love what you do. I love all the work that you do because I think one of the things that's so important to me is how much you focus on the research and the evidence base around the advice that you give. And that's incredibly important because there's a lot of stuff out there that, you know, a lot of misinformation, a lot of well-meaning but not necessarily correct things. So the fact that we've got some evidence going on is something I'm always going to love. So I'm very excited to be chatting to you about your latest project, 
which drum roll is called The Power Decade. So tell us, what is The Power Decade and what inspired you to write about it? Great question. So The Power Decade describes the years between the menopause transition, that moment of transition when we go from perimenopausal to postmenopausal, uh, and the time 10 or so years later when we know that statistically the chronic conditions of ageing are more likely to kick in. So I really wanted to focus on that time when we have lost the protection of oestrogen because oestrogen kind of wraps us up in this protective cloak. It looks after our bones and our brains and our blood vessels and our metabolism. And then at menopause, we lose it. And there's this moment where Mother Nature kind of says, well, you're on your own now, sunshine. And we have to look after ourselves. The protection has gone. It's on us to take responsibility for our health. And if we don't, we are aging and we are heading towards those chronic conditions of aging. Uh, And so that was really the inspiration. That was where the idea of the power decade came from, because it's our time to power up. Yeah. That's what we need. That's what we need to do. We know, and obviously you know so much about this, that we undergo this major health transition around 50. And this is a time to make changes to the way we look after ourselves. That's beautifully clear. I think one thing that's probably worth flagging up at this point for the listeners is just clarifying that although we use the term menopause as a real catch-all term to cover the whole caboodle, it's actually technically a one-day event. It's that day when it's been 12 months since your last period. Many of us miss the big day because there's been so much period havoc going on or you might have got as far as 11 months and then suddenly, oh no, there's another bleed and you're back to square one. So it's, as I say, although it's a general term, it really is that one day event. So the perimenopause leads right up to it and then the postmenopause is what comes afterwards. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because obviously... In time, your body does adjust to the new hormonal version of you and some of the the more problematic symptoms will settle down, just as they did after puberty. But there are a number of areas that you really need to still be focusing on quite strongly. So why why do you think postmenopausal health is, is so important? For that reason that we have lost the estrogen that was doing the work us and even if someone's on HRT and replacing estrogen then we're still aging and we're aging in an environment in which our body has changed very dramatically and so it's really looking at those elements of our health that estrogen help protect and are most impacted by aging so that is our bone health our brain health our cardiovascular health and our metabolism. 
because that slows uh, yeah. you know, as we age, as you know, very much. Your yes, area. bad news for all of us, that one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, for, yeah, so, yeah, there's so many things going on. It, see, you know, it does seem kind of unfair in many ways, but rather than thinking, oh, it's awful, it's negative, it's, what I wanted to do was to find a, a positive way through it and a positive way of talking about the years after that, as you say, one day of menopause. Yeah, and I think that's incredibly important because I love being a woman in my 50s. I'm 56 now, and I think that you know, having been through menopause, I love that sense of freedom that it gives you uh, and the fact that you can, you know, you're, you've got your second spring. There's a whole load of things that you can do that uh, and possibilities that, that are there. I like to see it as a, a door that's opened rather than a, a door that's closing. And I think you're absolutely right that now is the time to be investing in our future health, future-proofing ourselves for for later life so that we're the fit and sprightly ones who are running around and and not the ones who, you know, are struggling with chronic conditions. So one of the things you talk about very early on is this notion of three key actions to be proactive about your health. So what are they? All of them link to taking responsibility for our health. As you say, we, we, want, we want to be as sprightly as possible and that's only going to happen unless we're unbelievably lucky if we take responsibility, if we take ownership, if we think, right, okay, now this is the time that I, that I have to do something. And so my three kind of key actions are just a kind of real baseline uh, to help us do that. And the first one comes back to something you mentioned right at the beginning, which is understanding the science. Get knowledgeable. Knowledge is power. Read what you can, learn what you can, spend some time reading books or listening to podcasts like this one or whatever is going to help you get knowledgeable about your health. Don't, and I did this for a long time, think oh, yeah, I was terrible at science at school, so I'm not going to be able to get my head around this. Um, and actually, we can, and we, you know, we, can, we can learn, and we can take ownership of that knowledge. So that's the first thing. Um, and the second one is about tracking your stats. Whatever information you get from a doctor, we get sent for tests, as, you, as we do, for it might be blood pressure, it might be weight, it might be cholesterol levels, anything like that. Keep keep a note, keep an eye yourself. I mean, hopefully your GP is doing the same thing, but but keeping a note, just it's just a folder on your laptop or whatever, so that you know where things are going. Are things going up or down? What you what's happening? And the third thing is linked to that. Which is um, you know, get get tested you know, if you're yeah. offered a te- if you're offered a test if you're offered any sort of screening or checkup or anything I've got a letter on my desk actually about taking part in an NHS survey called Our Future Health where they're going to do more tests on me whatever you're offered take it yeah because, because again it's that knowledge is power take the tests, keep a record of the results so that you're getting to know your body and and what's happening with it. 
Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. It really is important to be proactive about this. And for the most part, we are entitled to these tests. And some surgeries are more proactive about chasing you for your uh, your standard blood pressure check, your cholesterol check. I actually had a pack through the post last summer for a stool test for a bowel cancer check, which completely took me by surprise. And I was very busy last summer. I was away quite a bit. And what was actually great is they sent me at least two reminders to crack on and do it. And I did fully intend to. It's just that I was away a lot. But it's very easy for life to get in the way and for you to be too busy or for you to use what's a genuine uh, excuse is that it's so difficult now to get appointments. But bearing in mind that so many of the tests actually can be run by by the the practice nurse in your surgery, for example. So you really is worth pushing for it, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Actually, my doctor's surgery now has a blood pressure machine in the reception. So you can just go and test your blood pressure yourself. Um, Oh, that's good. Yeah. So um, yes, it's, it's, you say make, you know, making the time to do those tests and, and pushing for them if you feel that you're not getting enough support. Yeah, I think this is not the time of our lives to be putting our head in the sand. It really is worth making sure that even if you don't like it and you don't enjoy it and it worries you, it really is worth it because anything you can do now to lay down the groundwork for good health will reap dividends further down the line and you won't regret it. Yes, of course. It, you know, it's never a waste of time. It, it, yeah, a lot. I mean, a lot of this comes back to putting yourself first, making time for yourself uh, to be able to do these things. Yeah, and that's something I talk about in lots of the episodes of the Happy Menopause. It's really important right now to be putting yourself first and thinking not just about getting me time, but positive, proactive approaches to your health as well, because you're usually far too busy looking after everyone else around you. And you know what? They'll manage. They'll manage for a bit while you go off and get yourself sorted. So I think this really is our time. Yes, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And in the book, I talk a lot about mindset and the importance of mindset, and uh, that's one of the sort of key things that we that I start with because I think the power decade is all about creating the life we want, and if yeah, and we can put good health at the heart of that. But in order to be able to do that, we do have to find a way to care for ourselves, even if we have many other caring responsibilities work responsibilities uh, as as well you when I talk to my health coaching clients they often say you know I'm at the bottom of the list I'm you know, last on the to-do list and actually we really need to find a way through that to to put ourselves first to as you say you know, to to take ownership of of this regardless of what we're going through and we can't pretend that this isn't a time of profound change sometimes sadness a lot of responsibility we can't brush that under the carpet but at the same time we can find a way of still having a sense of self a strong sense of self within that yeah yeah that's 
So important. Now, it's interesting because number three is quite a big thing for you in the book because you also focus on three key areas, the three M's, the meals, the movement and the mindset. And I think most people would expect the first two uh, when they're thinking about health at this stage of life, because most of us know that diet and exercise are really important for health and well-being. Even if we don't do anything about it, we know that they're, they're a key player. So, but the mindset thing, I think, is very interesting. And I think you're absolutely right that it's important. But what's your advice to women who are struggling, who are thinking, well, yes, it's all very well, but I've got my job. I'm trying to support my elderly parents. We've got, you know, lots of financial worries at the moment. There's just stuff going on. And I'm just going to have to wait for now. How do they get out of that? What can they do? I think it's about finding something very, very small that you can that you can do that it is for you. And I don't mean like a bubble bath type thing, but I mean something where you carve out some time. And it might be to go for a walk or it might be to call a friend, but it's carving out that time that is for you and also ring fencing it, putting a barrier around it and as you said, talking to the people around you and saying, I actually need this time. Because if we don't prioritize ourselves now, we're not going to be able to do the things that are on the to-do list. We're not, we are aging, we're not gifted this sort of endless endless supply of energy. At some point, we have to replenish and recharge ourselves. And that's only going to happen if we say to the people who need us I need a bit of space too I need I need a bit of time and I think actually the ability to do that kind of comes through menopause because we change so much we are gifted this kind of self-reflection we we have a stronger sense of purpose we actually perhaps don't care quite so much what people think and you know that's something a lot of people say you know comes uh with the postmenopausal years and we just feel stronger and more determined to take control of our lives yeah i think that's true also of course because the the drop in the in those hormones that have influenced our choices throughout our life, really, those reproductive hormones, because we are, as women, hardwired to nurture. With the reduction of that, there comes space, that opportunity to think about, well, what do I want and how do I want it to be? How am I seeing my life? I think it's really important to seize that moment. Yes, yes, absolutely. If you think about it, we've been chained to this kind of rolling hormonal monthly tide since we were children and actually you know, once we get released from that we do have uh, you know, we are stepping into another sense of self we are you know, we are released to to be who we want to be and and do things our way even if we can't do everything that we want to do even if we have heavy responsibilities we 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 do have a little bit more space as you say yeah yeah now let's talk about food because that's obviously my favorite subject and cards on the table I actually feature in your new book as part of the nutrition section so with all the research that you did what do you think are the most common mistakes that women make around food at this stage of life I think a lot of women 
And I know you agreed with me when I interviewed you. <laughs> a lot of women are afraid of protein and fat. Mm. And I think that the fat in particular, we are a generation of women who have been hardwired by the whole kind of low-fat craze. We came of age when everything was low-fat and we have it so imprinted on our brains that fat makes you fat. And actually, that's obviously, it's highly calorific, but it is also um, essential for health. And you know, that's something that we need to get our heads around. And similarly, I think with protein, that we think, oh, it's going to be really calorie dense, or it's going to be really heavy. So we, we don't, I don't want to eat steak. It's heavy. It's hard to digest. But actually, it's not about eating steak. It's making sure that we get the nutrition we need for you know, to keep our bodies going, to keep them powered up as we go through our 50s and 60s. Yeah, it is very difficult. I notice that in my nutrition clinic a lot, that we do carry the messages that we picked up as sort of teenage girls and in our 20s. And sort of back then, it was very much the low fat approach. And of course, fat is the stuff of life. You know, we even saturated fat, we need saturated fat to create sex hormones. The human race would die out if we didn't eat saturated fat and we'd all have a lot less fun along the way. And of course, if ever there was a time to be supporting your sex hormones, now is it. Mm. Um, and of course, I think one of the big things is thinking about a more Mediterranean style diet as we as we move through this phase where you're thinking a lot more about the, the essential fats, the mono and polyunsaturated fats that really support our cardiovascular health, our brain health, and even sort of oil our joints so that we're not as creaky as we might be. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, the, those kind of the good fats of, of the Mediterranean diet, the olive oil, nuts, avocado, obviously not Mediterranean, but you know, great, great fat. You, though, you, those things are come with so many health benefits. And, and you, there's so much research, you're talking about the science, there is so much research backing the Mediterranean diet as a a uh, really healthy way to eat as we age uh, and we want to protect our brain health and our bone health and everything else. And you, that does give us a healthy dose of fats. Yeah, yeah, incredibly important. Let's focus on protein for a minute because, again, worth remembering that the, the entire human body is made of protein. Every body cell, our entire DNA is made of protein, for goodness sake. So we need to be getting protein. And again, one of the things I notice is that men are, I don't know what it is about men, but they're very good at getting their protein. I think they feel instinctively it's important for their muscles and their strength. And most men will take a bit of a dim view of a meal that doesn't obviously contain a decent source of protein. Whereas we'll just sort of float through the day on a bit of toast and maybe a spinach salad because we're on a diet. And then finally, there might be a bit of chicken in the evening. And it's just not enough, is it? No, no, absolutely not. And I know we talked about this when we uh, were talking about the book, that neither of us meet many, if any, women who are getting enough protein. There, you know, there's a simple equation uh, for how much protein we need each day. And most women aren't, get, aren't getting enough, aren't thinking about including it in each meal in some way. And it doesn't have to be steak three times a day. You know, there's so many other options. 
but it's something that we really need to be thinking about because it's the building block of everything, as you say, and particularly your muscle and bone as we think about those areas of our body uh, as we're getting older. What other foods do we need to think about in relation to our bones? We need to make sure that we're getting enough calcium, that we're getting... Uh, another thing is women sometimes feel afraid of is dairy products. Are we getting enough dairy products? Are we getting calcium from pulses and vegetables and seeds? You know, there's, you know, there are lots and lots of options. And are we, you know, are we just filling our plates with kind of with the good stuff? Essentially, I think it's, you know, what it always comes down to. It's kind of, you know, are we making sure that we're getting those fats and those proteins and that feed our bones and everything else too? Yeah, I'm mean, absolutely. I think it's really important to start to see food as what nutrition it can bring you, what can it do for you, as opposed to how many calories uh, are in it, because calories are just about energy. Um, And we need to be thinking, well, you know, you could have one item of food that's incredibly healthy, but high in calories, like an avocado, for example, or you could have a Mars bar. Now, which of these things is actually going to do more for the body and contain multiple nutrients that support you? Well, yeah, in case anybody was wondering, it's not the mass part. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's not just about the calories, because if all you're thinking about is calories, you could technically have a mass bar every day as long as you stayed within your, your calorie band. But you're not going to be as well or as fit or as strong. Yes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think we need to start seeing food as a friend rather than an enemy. Sometimes I think it's very easy to have spent perhaps many years dieting or being conscious of weight and actually food is there to support our health yeah rather than being the enemy that we want to avoid it's you what you know, how can we make use of it and the many many gifts that it will give us um, yeah. by making the right choices for sure. So let's talk about exercise because bone health isn't just about what we put in our bodies we've got to work at that as well haven't we yes. Yeah, absolutely. In the book, I interviewed a really fascinating woman called Rebecca Rothstein, uh, who is American. She is essentially an exercise instructor. She has a business called Buff Bones, and it's online. You can do her exercises. And she said to me, what what do you want for your bones? And I thought I wanted my bones to be hard and dense and actually, she said, that's not really the outcome that you want. What well, the outcome that you want is not to fracture. Yes. So if that's your end point, you don't want to fracture you. How do you get to that point? You want to make sure that you're not having falls. You want to make sure that, yes, your bones are, are, are strong and dense, but also they have some resilience and flexibility as well. They're not rock hard. So so it's incredibly important because I think, you know, if you do bash yourself or if you do fall, it's not just about being strong. They need to be flexible enough so that we bounce and don't break. Absolutely. And ideally, we're not going to fall because in our exercise routine, we will have worked on strength and balance and mobility. And that, that is so important. And I think... We, working on those things and working on muscles. You say we lose so much muscle uh, once we're postmenopausal and 
rebuilding that muscle so that we are supporting ourselves and supporting our bones um, is so important. I think strength training is is the number one thing. Yeah, there is a tendency, I think, for women in midlife to move to the mat. There's a lot of, of Pilates and yoga going on. Now, don't get me wrong. I love both of those and I think they're brilliant. And you you can do an amazing dynamic yoga that can really uh, test you. But we do tend to sort of forget a bit about the the cardiovascular side of things. And of course, our heart muscle needs a lot more attention post-menopause. And we don't often want to do the weights because they're thinking, oh, is that going to bulk me up? But they're really important for our bone health, aren't they? Yes, absolutely. Well, for Every element of our health, there's a really strong correlation between uh, leg strength, lower body strength in particular, and reduced risk of cognitive decline. Now that's interesting. Yeah. So you. So it's not. So it's not. It's not just bones. You building muscle is really important for our metabolism. Uh, It's really important for our, our. Heart health and it's really, you know, it's really important for our brains. You, know, it's every everything. Uh, so, you know, that is, you know, that's really key. That, so, what about the women who are thinking, "Well, I don't want to go to the gym, or I can't afford a gym membership." How do you build up your muscle? That I would say start really small, and of course, everybody's fitness levels are different, and everybody's different. But just start. You know, if if you not done it, start with one kilo weights, or start you know start with water bottles or or something, and it doesn't have to take lots of time. You can just do a few minutes in the bathroom when you wake up, or or keep the weights by the kettle and just do a few exercises, you know, bicep curls, a few small exercises. Anything that contracts our muscle is a is a really good thing. Of course, if you're going to start a new exercise regime, you do talk to an expert, talk to your doctor, but just doing something to build a bit of muscle. I have a lovely uh, coaching client who's in her 70s and did, it was absolutely not a gym type person, but she told me she liked the look of that Joe Wicks. And she had seen <laughs> that he you know, he had some exercise classes that had weights. And so she bought you know, one kilo weights that, so to do the exercise class. And now she's up to three kilo weights. So you know, that's, that's impressive. Yeah. It, yeah. It, so it's just starting small and then not, but also not being afraid to challenge yourself. So what about you? I mean, having written this book, do you practice what you preach? How are you coping with your power decade, Susan? I practice what I preach as much as I can. You know, we all have to be realistic. We're all human. But I think you know, my mindset has really changed, uh, that I I do feel uh, very positive about my life going forward. I'm very good at putting boundaries in place, saying no to things. If I can't do them, I feel much more sort of in charge of my life. I, I think, than I have done in the past. Just things like exercise have just become part of what I do and who I am. And yes, I will get up early and go to the gym or you know, book in wherever I can. You know, it, it's just become what I do because I just know how absolutely critical it is. And the other thing that I really focus on is sleep and just few things are more important or more worth doing than getting to bed early or getting to bed at a decent time and prioritizing sleep. 
Yeah, yeah, and not doing the the latest streaming, binge watching, whatever the latest thing is, because that's become quite an issue now. I think. Oh yes, absolutely, and you you will feel we should keep up, and I just don't. And people say, "Have you seen this? Have you seen that?" And I'm no, no, I no, I really haven't. I you know, I don't binge watch, and it's very easy to spend time in the evening just thinking, "Oh, I'll just watch this," or I'll just go on social media for a bit longer or or read you know, reading's good obviously but you know, just sort of anything to sort of fill the time rather than saying this is when I go to bed I, yeah. think, I think we're very guilty of trying to reclaim time for ourselves in the evening if we've had a very busy day so I'm very appealing to think oh I'll just have a bit of time for myself and actually if that's uh, to the detriment of sleep then it's it's not really time for ourselves. Yeah. And lack of sleep affects you at a very deeply cellular level, um, which can have numerous impacts on your health and well-being. Yes, absolutely. And we know that sleep is impacted at menopause. You, a, lot, a lot of women, a lot of women I talked to while I was writing the book, you really struggle with sleep. That you Actually, the diet and exercise, they've got pretty well sorted, but the sleep, it, it is a struggle and is harder and, and needs more work. Yeah, yeah, it won't happen by itself. No, no, absolutely not. Now, one of the other things that's lovely about this book are your power women that you include throughout, your interviews with your power women. So how did you choose them? What were you looking for in your power women? I was looking for women who had made some sort of major change in their lives post-menopause or post-50, you know, post uh, you know, whose lives had changed in, in a dramatic and positive way uh, for whatever reason or whatever that way was. You know, and you know, each of them is different, but uh, many of them have been through a major career change or lifestyle change or, or simply a mindset change. But you, there had been a transition above and beyond that of menopause, essentially, because I just thought that was exciting and interesting and inspiring, most importantly. Yes, I think it's great to have these role models, because if you are feeling a bit uncertain and thinking, oh, is it all downhill from now on, then you can sort of see these women and think, oh, my goodness, they felt like I did and they've managed to do this. So what could I do? And I think that's incredibly inspiring. Yes, exactly. If you look at the women in the book, you know, they've uh, paddleboarded across England or set up new businesses or written books or, or become sort of spokespeople for, uh, for aging or menopausal health or you know, so many different things. Uh, and you tackle each, you know, each one has tackled that, that change in a very different way but you're all so fascinating and yeah inspiring no absolutely I was in awe of them when I was reading and thinking oh you know it just makes you think well just need to do more there's so many possibilities there yes I think yes I would hope that people don't feel pressured like oh I've got to go and start a new business now I'm 58 or whatever but but yeah just it's the possibilities you know, whatever you know, whatever that is for us and you know we'll all completely different but it you know, it can be something small or something huge yeah I know that Joe Mosley one of the women that you interview she of the 
Coast to Coast Paddleboard Challenge often talks about mini adventures. You know, you don't have to do massive things. You can just embark on mini adventures. And even that can have a, a huge impact on you and your mindset, can't it? Yes, absolutely. And Joe talks about finding your joy. And yeah, I, I just love that. And that you can find joy in the smallest things or the biggest. Yeah. You know, it's, it's whatever is going to, going to spark joy for you. Absolutely. So the book is out now, which is exciting. Where can people find it or where can they find out more about you if they want to look into the work that you're doing? You can find the book in your local bookshop. I'm sure they'd be very happy to order it. Or of course, it's also on Amazon. And you can find me on Instagram at Susan Saunders Health or my website is susansaundershealth.com. Brilliant. Well, I will be sure to put links to all of those in the show notes on the podcast page of my website. And The Power Decade, How to Thrive After Menopause is out now and available from your favourite bookseller. Brilliant. So we're going to have to wrap up now. But before we do, last question for you, Susan. What are your top two tips for women who are in or about to enter the power decade? I would say... Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what's coming. Good things are waiting. If you take ownership of this time, take ownership of your health, wherever you can, put yourself first and embrace this time of transition, essentially. Uh, That would be my first thing, that not being afraid. And my second thing we've covered in quite a bit of detail that I think is so important, just to reiterate one more time, is building muscles stay strong because if you feel physically strong and physically able many other good things come from that you you start to feel mentally strong and mentally able as well and finding a way to keep hold of that strength and um build muscle is a is just a good thing for our bodies and uh, for us mentally as well brilliant fantastic words of wisdom thanks so much for joining me today thank you so much for having me jackie i really enjoyed it don't be afraid of what's coming and stay strong that's such great advice if you'd like to find out more about susan and the work that she does check out the show notes on the podcast page of my website well hyphen well hyphen well.co.uk where i've put all the relevant links so that's it for season four I'll be back with season five at the beginning of September and I've already queued up some great episodes so make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you've enjoyed the podcast please give it a five-star rating and a short review on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you listen on. I'd be so grateful and do tell your friends and family about it too. It really does make a huge difference to the visibility of the podcast so that more women can find the show. After all Every woman deserves to have a happy menopause. Thanks so much for listening and have a wonderful summer. Bye for now.